Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, may we fully be able to say, as we have sung, that we can tell the boldest foe without that Jesus reigns within. Yes, that can only be by your grace, by your mercy, by your power. We know, at least to some degree, how frail we are. We know that without the Lord Jesus Christ, we are nothing. We know that we owe our allegiance unto you in everything that we do. We confess, even as we preached earlier today, that sometimes we grow weary in well-doing. Forgive us, O Lord, and yet thank you that you know our frame, that we are but dust. The warfare, the mental gymnastics, that go on within our being are often quite confusing <clears throat> and leaves us in a sea of uncertainty. But you're still there. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You change not. Though men, and we would suppose devils, have done all that they could to erase the word of the Lord and keep it from us. But it shall stand forever. Humanly speaking, there's no way that this could be possible. But thank you, our God, that it's not left up to the puny reasoning, work, ability, power of man. We pray now that you would bless us in this service. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Verses 12 and 13 of Galatians chapter 6 shows the purpose of the Judaizers. We have been studying about the Judaizers all through 
this epistle. But notice what Paul says of them. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Judaizers and false brethren or false teachers today pervert the gospel for two reasons. One is to gain popularity and to make a fair show in the flesh, as it says here in these verses. That is, they want to build up their audience and entertain them. And secondly, they do it to avoid persecution or the offense of the cross. You know, there is an offense of the cross. Paul said in the fifth chapter of Galatians, in verse 11, he said, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. We have lived the majority of our lives when we read about in time past persecution and all sorts of malign against the Scriptures and Christianity and we learn about that secondhand. In other words, we read history books or we hear people talk about it. Uh, I get a snippet news broadcast every day, actually called Five Minutes with World Views. But essentially, every broadcast that is given, they talk about some Christians being persecuted somewhere. Either Muslim persecution, uh, Hindu persecution, uh, you name it. And often they talk about various people being killed, being beaten. Uh, a few years ago, we... Uh, National news, there was much made to do about uh, the Muslims cutting off the heads of some people and on and on and on. And we talk about how horrible that is and how uh, drastic, you know, how, uh, well, just how horrible that is. But it's still secondhand. 
it doesn't really affect us that much. But if someone came into your home and either drug you out or drug a loved one out and tortured or killed them in your eyes, that would be a different matter. It wouldn't be secondhand anymore. It would cause you to It could cause you life, but let me put it that way. I don't know the heart of anybody. But it could cause you to think, well, why did God allow this to happen to me? What have I done to deserve this? You know, that's what we normally do. You know, sometimes uh, we're going about our daily activities and we... Uh, maybe stump our toe or fall down and, and break something. And if we're not careful, we'll wonder, well, why, why did God let that happen to me? What did I do that made Him to do that to me? What is it that He's teaching me? And, and things of that nature. And uh, we should always take inventory to see what God would have us to learn from any trial or affliction. But if you're like me at any time, too often we look at it from the standpoint that whether, you know, why is God beating me up? Or why is God allowing this to happen to me? And things of that nature. Well, that's secondhand. I mean, that's firsthand when it comes to us directly. I'm afraid... That we have lived in such a sterile environment for so many years, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around direct persecution. Now I know that some of you that uh, are listening to me have had... uh, Relatives, maybe even spouses, to make fun of you for what you believe. That wasn't easy, was it? It hurt. Well, that's what it is with, uh, you know, when it comes personally to us. It's not secondhand anymore. And some people, as Paul points out here, these Judaizers, he said, they make a fair show in the flesh and they constrain you lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They don't want to suffer persecution, and I don't know if anybody really wants to, But for the Christian, he is not to withdraw 
to keep from being persecuted. I have known people. I have known ministers over the years that will not or do not uh, preach on certain things because they do not want to lose their popularity. Now, I don't know of anybody in his right mind that wants to be unpopular. I don't. In reality, I want everybody to like me. I don't want anybody to be upset with me. And I'm really upset when they are upset with me. And, and, and so on and so forth. And too often these Judaizers, they will even practice what they publicly preach against. Before I go down that, I wanted to look at a couple of verses, or a few verses, two or three, where it shows that Judaizers do not keep the law while they preach that others should. Look at Romans chapter 2. You know, a preacher can preach against sin A preacher can preach against sin as much as he wants to so long as he doesn't expect anybody to change. I've heard sermons by preachers against sin and they preach it in such a way and talk about how bad it is and so on and so forth. And then they follow it up with some humorous story. And it just, all the punch is taken out of it. In Romans chapter 2, look at verse, starting at verse 1. Romans 1, he basically is talking about the Gentiles. Romans chapter 2 is basically talking about the Jews. But it applies to both Jews and Gentiles and both of them. But anyway, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgeth. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? In other words, if I'm guilty of practicing what I preach against, 
do I think I'm that do I think I'm going to escape? No. In reading that, the incident of the Pharisees bringing the woman caught in adultery to Jesus came to mind. And it always, always wondered about that. And you could see the hypocrisy of it because who did they bring to the Lord? Only the woman. They didn't bring the man. And their purpose was not for justice. If it was, they would have brought both. But they caught her in adultery. And I don't know, and I can't prove anything, but I've always wondered if possibly one of them was the one uh, having the uh, the liaison with the woman. Why didn't they bring the man? But it shows the hypocrisy of those men. Also, dropping down to verse 21. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest that a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that saith a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorst idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that maketh thy boast of the law through breaking the law of God, or breaking the law, dishonoreth thou God. In other words, they were preaching one thing and doing another. This is what the Lord condemned the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Let's go there for just a moment. I sometimes wonder how seriously any of us take all of this. Matthew 23, beginning at verse 3. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe. In other words, let's go back to the first verse. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. In other words, whatever these scribes and Pharisees tell you, to do, do it. So the problem is not what they were saying to do or not do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. 
For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. In other words, everything they do, they do it with the eye of somebody seeing them and bragging on them. The only reason they go to the house of God is to be seen. The only reason they give is to be seen. The only reason they study the Word is to let people know how much they know about the Word. The only reason they preach is in order to uh, have the accolades of being uh, God's man. And on and on and on we could go. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now what that means is, the phylactery was a little box that they had on top of, they uh, had on a a string or or something uh, attached around their head and that little box was stuck on their forehead. And supposedly inside that little box with the Ten Commandments written on something. Well, the Pharisees, and I don't know exactly how big it was, but uh, I may be enlarging uh, the example, but they, they got to the point that they put the box, made it so big that it almost uh, hid their face. In other words, they really wanted a big box. They wanted people to know that they had that phylactery on. And the Jews also had a little border around the hem of their garment to remind them about the law. Well, these Pharisees, they had a big hem uh, uh, on their, um, in a big, uh, uh, sewed a big piece of garment around there, made it really big. You know, like some people today, you see, uh, they really want you to know, uh, uh, they really want you to see them because if it's a woman, she usually has uh, a ring just about on every finger. Or if a man, he has a chain hanging around his neck and his his, uh, shirt unbuttoned all the way down almost uh, to his belly. And wanting everybody to brag upon him and look upon him thinking he's something. You know, it's one way or the other, men, whether it's a male or a female, men are always trying to draw attention to themselves. I, I actually get so aggravated. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but you wouldn't know it uh, by the fact that I don't ever comment. But I'm all the time seeing people. Uh, usually it's women that are always changing their picture on Facebook. And 
Every once in a while, well, not every once in a while, every, just about everybody that comments on it, oh, how good she looked, how good you look, how good they look. I think the only reason they changed the picture just to get be, to be bragged on, make them feel good. That's what it appears to be to me. I don't know. God knows the heart. <coughs> I don't know. Uh, if anybody was a friend to me on Facebook, they wouldn't see my picture. I'm nothing. I'm nothing to look at anyway. But uh, I just. I have the Waldensian symbol of the ever-shining light for the gospel. And so, but anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. That doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I'm just saying that. But if you're doing something just to draw attention to yourself, that's what the Judaizers were doing. They made their phylacteries broad. They enlarged the borders of their garment and loved the uppermost feast of the room, uh, uppermost rooms in the feast and the chief seats in the synagogue. And they liked the greetings and the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. You know, you hear all of these preachers talking about Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. Well, it's nothing wrong with having a doctor's degree in theology or in, or in any other field as far as that goes. But if you're just doing it for attention... Not worth anything. I think I mentioned this before. When I printed my book on justification, I had a minister that tried to get me to put Dr. Jimmy Barber on it and instead of just Jimmy Barber or Jimmy K. Barber. And I could have done so legally. I have, for anybody interested, doesn't matter to me, I have two doctor's degrees. But that's neither here nor there. And I was tempted to do it. But I said, no. If somebody's just going to buy the book just because I've got a doctor on it, they don't need it anyway. And so I didn't do it. I think it's kindly humorous. It's not because of this, but uh, that same minister will hardly even speak to me today. <laughs> In fact, I was at a meeting one time years ago where he was there, and he would, he didn't even speak to me except the last day. And uh, so, in other words, that's just showmanship. That's just showmanship. It's not worth anything. Not worth anything. 
I will say this, lest somebody thinks I'm very smart or something. The two doctor's degree I have are honorary. They were given to me. I usually say I'm just an honorary, <laughs> honorary doctor. <laughs> but in, uh, you know, most preachers that have doctor's degree, they didn't earn it either. Somebody gave it to them. That's just the, the truth of the matter. And no need to go into all the reasons. But all I'm saying is, if you're doing something just for the show of it, it's no good. And if you're trying to impress somebody to say that you are against something, and you're doing it yourself, that's no good either. Like I said, too many preachers often practice secretly what they preach against. I learn, I'm learning more and more and more of preachers that are involved in sexual sins and pornography. In fact, in 2020, a Barner research study uh, Barner is, uh, is an organization uh, after the name of George Barner, I believe is his first name. But anyway, a Barner research search study in 2020 found most pastors, 57%, and youth pastors, 64%, admit they have struggled with porn either currently or in the past. Within the last few years, I personally know two ministers that were caught up in this. One is in prison now. The other one quit preaching for a while, but in some circles he is preaching again. And most likely, if I call the names, uh, you would recognize them too. The only reason I haven't uh, told y'all about these people in particular, I just didn't think it necessary to spread it because. It doesn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't advance our cause here, uh, or anything. If it was a need to, then would I would do that. And several years ago, this was over fifty years ago, if I remember correctly. I was told about a preacher in a Bible college that claimed to believe the doctrines of grace. But he would not teach the truth of the doctrines of grace because he did not want to lose his annuity that he had built up in the school over the years. In other words, his retirement program. I said all of that to say this. These, as far as I'm concerned, are Judaizers. 
lest they suffer the persecution of the cross. You say, well, are they saved or not? That's God's business. I'm not, I'm not in, in that to say whether they are or whether they're not. And if any of these ministers that I have mentioned were to come around here and trying to uh, uh, create some influence that uh, I didn't want the congregation to have, then I would expose them. And like I said, I've known preachers personally over the years that have admitted to me that they believe such and such a thing, but they don't preach it. They don't preach it. One thing is so simple, should be simple, if you just read the Scriptures and take it for what it said and not try to explain it away, is the, the head cover. It's plain that a woman ought to have her head covered in worship. And I know preachers that say they believe that, but I say, well, why don't you preach it? Well, well, the Lord just hadn't led me to it. Well, if you're waiting for the Lord to make you feel like you ought to preach on it, you'll never preach on it. And the reason I know they don't preach on it because uh, their congregations don't practice it. And I see more and more women showing up in the worship service with their pants on. And I see more and more young people attending the house of God in their shorts, jeans, and everything else. Why do they do that? Nobody preaches on it. It's not popular. It's not popular. Those are just a few things. And the Judaizers, their purpose for what they do do is to gain a following, but they'll do it in such a way that it will avoid the persecution of the cross. But Paul said in verses 14 and 15, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not going to glory in anything but the cross. The Judaizers don't want to uh, preach the cross, the truth of the gospel. To avoid persecution, Paul said, I glory in it. He said, I glory in it. I don't think I have it in my notes later. If I do, well, I'll just skip over it. But turn back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Paul talks about, and I believe he's talking about himself, being caught up into paradise, up to the third heaven, and heard things that was not lawful to speak. He didn't, he didn't say he saw anything. But then he said after that, in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice he didn't say Paul's strength was made perfect in Paul's weakness. But God's strength. The reason we, as weak and uh, sinners we are, the reason we keep going is because of God's strength working in us. But anyway, uh, he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ rest, may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am I strong. I haven't graduated to that. I can say I know what it is to be strengthened in infirmities and God to uphold me. But I can't say that I take pleasure in it like Paul. And having said that, I pray God spare me. I don't want to suffer any more than I already have for the gospel's sake. But if I do, I pray God would sustain me. Paul gloried. Paul gloried. And he did not compromise the gospel to avoid persecution. In 2 Corinthians, turn back to chapter 1. Verses 8 and 10. <clears throat> For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust He will yet deliver. Chapter 6 of Second Corinthians. 
Picking up in verse 4, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by the love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live as chastened and not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing and yet possessing all things quite a list isn't it you take quite a few sermons to go through all of that and do it justice look at verse 11 Excuse me, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Well, I'm not going to take the time to read this. We've read it many times before. It starts in verse 13 and goes all the way through verse 30. Kind of like the list that we already saw. But look at Matthew chapter 5. This should bring it more to ourselves. Bring it home to us. Matthew 5.11 Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Speaking of, well, referring to what I spoke about earlier that I uh, was involved in this past week. I don't remember rejoicing. But if I were where I ought to be, I would have, no doubt. In other words, it appears I've got some growing to do, doesn't it? Or those verses don't mean what they say. I believe they mean what they say. Faithful ministers that glory in the cross of Christ are not only dead to the world, but the world is dead to them. In other words, They're just not interested in the things of the world anymore like they used to be. Not only does the minister not want to have anything to do with the world, the world really doesn't want to have anything to do with the minister. 
And the reason some people don't want to have any more to do with us than they do is because they really don't know where we stand. Therefore, the circumcision or the uncircumcision does not avail anything. What Paul said there in verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor circumcision, but a new creature. It doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. The main thing that matters, are you, are you a Christian? Are you really born again? And if you are born again, it's going to be manifested. It's going to be manifested. Luther said, Moreover, the cross of Christ doth not signify that piece of wood where Paul said, I glory in the cross of Christ. Luther saying, The cross of Christ is not that piece of wood which Christ did bear upon His shoulder and to the which He was afterward nailed, but generally it signifies all the afflictions of the faithful whose sufferings are Christ's sufferings. The sufferings of Christ abound in us. Paul said. He also said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fulfill the rest of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which, which is the church. Colossians 1.24 The cross of Christ therefore generally signifies all the afflictions of the saints which it suffereth for Christ, which He Himself witnessed when He saith, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Saul did no violence to Christ, but to his people. But he that touched it, that is, touched the people of God, touched the apple of God's eye. There is a more lively feeling in the head than in the other members of the body. And this we know by experience, for the little toe, or at least the part of a man's body being hurt, the head forthwith showeth itself by the countenance to feel the grief thereof. So Christ our head maketh all our afflictions his own, and suffereth also when we suffer which are his bodies. So Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. And then he said as many as walk according to this rule Peace be on them in mercy and upon the Israel of God. Only those who trust in Christ and His finished work uh, enjoy true peace in this life and know the mercy of God.
People go through life searching for peace and happiness. But the world and the things in it will never supply such peace. And then the last two verses. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I'm not going to take the time to do it. But the scars in the body of Paul proved that he was genuine. Now I'll give you a list of scriptures that you can read. Acts 14, verses 19 and 20. Acts 16, verses 19 through 24. In verse 33, Acts 21, 32, 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13, which we've already read, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 10, which we read, and 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 25, which we alluded to. In other words, you remember at one place, Paul was stoned and left for dead. Another place they were beaten and put in the jail at Philippi. In other places, Paul was beaten and so on. And Paul ends the letter as he does with his other epistles by commending the saints to the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Well, we made it. Lord willing, uh, in two weeks, we'll begin First John. As you know, next week we have visiting Speaker, speakers, let us pray. Father, forgive us of our hypocrisy. I don't guess there's any preacher, in, um, that includes all of us, myself as well, have preached against many things when we are guilty ourselves. We do not want to go around looking for persecution. We don't take delight in uh, creating chaos and turmoil. We don't take delight in people taking exceptions to us and uh, calling us names and not having anything, wanting to have anything to do with us and, and such like. And it's tempting to bend a little bit 
Help us to be uh, truthful to your word. But give us enough gumption, enough sense that we do not stand for some personal preference but we stand for the love of the truth. And where we think we're standing for truth and it's really a personal preference, open our eyes, Father, and bless us to be able to let that go. Thank you for this epistle. As you well know, Father, it is so full of truth that we could turn around and preach through it again and never say anything that we've already said and and, uh, much more could be brought out. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.